0: I do love virtual, but I do love equity crowd fundraising on its own. I think it's such an incredible way for people to put their money in the things that they believe in. I've actually really personally loved being able to show a business how much I love, appreciate, and support them with my dollars in a way that contributes meaningfully. And so I do keep buying their products, I do keep referring them to friends, but Having equity in a business as well is just such an incredible thing.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Bright Minds of Ecommerce podcast. I'm Dana, founder of Bright Red Marketing. And after helping so many businesses in the e-commerce space over the years, including helping two clients hit huge milestones this year, one having their first million dollar year and a second their first $2 million year, I wanted to bring you the best experts and e-commerce stories from Australia straight to you. If you're wanting relatable stories and actionable advice, You are in the right place. Want help with your Facebook and Instagram ads? Remember, you can always book in a free strategy session at brightredmarketing.com.au. We'll run through your ads, see what's working and what's not, and no sales pitch, I promise. Unless, of course, you ask what it's like to work with us. Today, we're here with Jade McKenzie from Zia. In today's episode, she talks about growing to a $4 million business in the last 12 months, crowdsourcing investors, the systems to keep peace in running a family business, her favorite marketing tactics, and so much more. So let's get into it. Welcome to episode 31. Today, we're here with Jade from Zia. Hi. It is so good to have you on. Thank you for joining us. So you've got such a varied background. Can you give us like, I don't think this is even possible, but a short and sweet rundown? <laughs> Well, I started my career
0: in aged care and then I went into finance for seven years and then I decided that that didn't quite suit my personality and I wanted to work with entrepreneurs. So I did that but fell into venture capital and that destroyed my soul a little bit. So I managed a cancer charity for three years before I got pregnant and decided that I wanted to stop building other people's businesses and build my own. So I created my own service-based business called Event Hand, where I did event management, planning, and I also did business coaching. And currently, after another baby, I am with my partner in our business, Zia, and we also own another e-com called Native Man Skincare, and we're just about to take over another women's skincare range.
1: Amazing. I mean, we could sit here and talk about that history for a very long time, but we are here to talk about (laughs) Zia. Can you tell us a little (laughs) bit about your journey with Zia, how that sort of came to be, and any cool lessons you've learned along the way?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting because I had always had aspirations to be part of an e commerce, but I just never knew how that was ever going to eventuate. So, I was actually separated and then divorced from my ex-husband and hanging around entrepreneurial circles like I love to do. And Hayden was somebody who caught my eye as somebody who was doing really incredible things and unique things in the e-commerce world. So he founded Zia And that is an e-commerce business that is based all around one ingredient called Kamsia Ambigua. So it's almost like Thursday Plantation in that they use tea tree oil as their signature ingredient and we use Kamsia. And so we got to know each other, became friends, and then actually went, oh, there's a bit of a spark there and became partners in real life. And through all of this, I was working in my own business and I was actually doing a contract CEO role for a social enterprise and it just got to the point where we were like, actually, we should help each other out. I had these dreams of working with an ecom, and I actually had all the skills that he needed as somebody who was still doing the majority of all the work by himself. So... We were very nervous as a new relationship to dive into the world of being co-workers and partners, but it's all turned out so amazingly well and it has helped us grow. And I think that's the cool thing that I learned is that where there is flow, there is growth. And I remember when we were so nervous and having this conversation around whether or not I should come on board and we started at uh, at that point we were doing about 275,000 a year and we've literally just turned over 4.3 million in the last 12 months and to be able to do that in such a short amount of time to maintain our integrity and our genuine love for australian manufacturing and having a really beautiful product that works it's been such a blessing but it's just shown that sometimes listening to your
1: heart, <laughs> it's probably the best thing you could do. Yeah, I love that. So what do you think have been some of the, the keys to helping you hit that in just over 4 million in, I think you said, those last 12 months? Mm. Like that's a huge yeah. growth.
0: It is. And I think what worked really well for us is being super defined in who we are and what we offer. So we are always, everybody talks about having a niche and you have to specialise in something. I do think that sometimes you can get caught in the, oh, but I need to make a sale. And and I know that if people hear this, it will turn into $2. And sometimes that can almost take you away from what your uniqueness is, your blue ocean strategy. But what we really do well is get really finite and fierce on who we are for, who our target market is, and all of our branding and our digital marketing efforts are based around that. And so by being able to be super defined in this area, it means that when we scale, we're able to do that without increasing our lead costs, our clicks or anything By being able to have this tapped in audience, it just means that scaling and growth is actually quite natural rather than feeling like, oh, I have to explore multiple areas to get the traction that I need to get to X amount. So working with a specialist as well in marketing and Facebook ads means that you can have somebody there taking care of that for you I'm a very big believer in outsourcing, and so is Hayden. And they can focus on those numbers while you focus on the brand integrity.
1: Yeah, amazing. When you say that you're working with agencies and digital and stuff, what would you say are your favourite marketing activities? Oh, my favourite marketing activities. Oh, no. I love them all, but only certain parts
0: of them. (laughs) (laughs) Please
1: clarify.
0: I love how detail-oriented you are. (laughs) So of course, socials is everything to us. I think it's just the most perfect
1: as a Facebook way. ads specialist. I'm yeah. glad that came first.
0: Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> just because you're able to be in a platform where people already are, like my gosh, it just takes so much of the weight off of your marketing because people are already there. So Facebook and Instagram marketing is our favorite. I love doing the creatives and getting involved in that process. The numbers I'm not so great at, all the targeting and all of that stuff. And no, just please report to me the numbers that it's working. Great. Let's get more creative. If that's not working, okay, let's, let's cut that loose. (laughs) Amazing. And that's why outsourcing is so good. Oh, it's incredible. And uh, yeah, so we outsource Facebook marketing, Instagram marketing, Google Ads, that's another great one. And I would really love to tap into that more because it works so well for us. We actually do Bing ads as well because that's where a lot of our target demographic is because they are older. So got to love a bit of Bing. Got another client in the same boat. (laughs) Works very nicely for
1: that older demographic. And uh, what other digital marketing things do we do? Even not digital. Everything's so digital these days. If you're doing other non-digital things that work well, I'd love to hear about them.
0: Well, we're doing sampling. So sampling is great because our product, it's not something that is in grocery stores yet. And we do have over 500 stockists, but think of how many pharmacies there are in Australia. 500 isn't really touching sides yet. So by having a strategy around sampling, after working in events and PR and all of that, I know that you're more likely to convert somebody if they've got your product in their hands and so that is something that we're doing this year which I'm really loving we've actually done PR and that's worked really well for us we are going to be doing some tv commercials in the second half of the year because we're at a stage now where we can hit our target demographic and we've got the funding for it and it's actually going to give us that brand awareness that we need to keep scaling and growing which is exciting and
1: oh god there's just so much we we do everything (laughs) I love that given that Facebook Instagram those sorts of things are so trackable is there a process in place of tracking your things like your sampling your PR A plan for the TV because those things are historically a little harder to track the success of. Yes. We
0: do discuss this in detail. So as a team, we're always obviously looking at our ROI and seeing how much we get for the investment that we put in. But we also understand that brand awareness for us right now, where we are, is a huge piece that we need to look at as well. That's really hard to track. But things that we do put into place that we can at the moment regarding our samples and even print media ads that we've done in magazines, things like QR codes and discount incentives. So we always play around with those. We have been recently, we've just done a campaign across Women's Weekly magazines. So that's live, Australian Women's Weekly, Women's Day, Who magazine. So we have a double spread in all of these and the QR code is completely different depending on the publication and the discount or the incentive is different as well. So we're, we've still got an element of play in our work. It's not so serious. It's like, oh, what do we think will work here? And then through the QR code and the tracking through the discounts, we're able to see what kind of return we're getting there so that's something that we always are a big advocate for it's like what's the call to action and then how can you do this to understand your audience more how can you put in some metrics so what's working and what's
1: not working I love that I mean to be fair the one good thing that came out of COVID everyone knows how to use QR codes now Oh, my God, I know, right? They were, like, <laughs> dying before COVID. <laughs> That's amazing because often with, like, your print and stuff, it's quite difficult to track. So I love that you've got a a nice way of tracking that. On your website, you've obviously got kind of sub-brands within Zia. Mm-hmm. Did it always have the sort of four sub-brands with your Relief Essentials Gourmet Active or did they sort of slowly come to be as the business grew? No, they came about about two
0: years ago. So what we had started doing was creating and developing more products. Our signature product is the of Pain Relief Cream. That's actually what makes up about 70 to 80% of our sales. So it really is the hero product. But we have a suite of complementary products around that. And then one day, Hayden literally came to me and said, okay, so I bought a couple of tonnes of honey. I was like, (laughs) what the F? Are you kidding me? How are we going to make this fit? But it was a passion for him and we actually were able to find, well, he found a beekeeper that does this, oh, my God, this most incredible Kanzia honey and just for a bit of background, Kanzia Ambigua only flowers for about eight to ten weeks of a year and that's in spring. And they are the most beautiful looking and smelling flowers. It's actually one of my most favourite scents in the whole wide world. We're trying to replicate it and we cannot, but we can get honey from it. (laughs) We're still working on the scent, but (laughs) we've got the honey. And he's like, I found a beekeeper. He's agreed that he'll do this. And so it's some of the most pure, organic, pristine, gorgeous honey you'll ever get in the world. It comes from Flinders Island. We sell out of it every single year. But I'm looking at this going, all right, this really doesn't fit into the brand story. And we also sell a lot of essential oils because Hayden's mum is an aromatherapist and naturopath. So she created all these blends. So we started having conversations around how we can keep the integrity of the business but make it so it made sense to people. Like they're not just coming onto this website and going, Ugh! What's this mess? I came for pain relief cream. Why are you now selling honey? Honey, yeah, <laughs> and essential oils. So yeah, and essentials were the first to split, and then we created Zia Gourmet, and that has now three types of honey, and a salt and pepper blend, and some dried comfrey leaves. And then recently we introduced Zia Active, which is for pre and post muscle recovery and for a younger demographic. And it's the first product in the world to contain magnesium and kunzia and peppermint together. So now that we've started on this journey of sub-brands under the umbrella of Zia, it actually feels so much cleaner and easier for all of our marketing activities and the way that we work with our agencies and also all of our suppliers. So it was a really great step for us. And it's funny, but every sub-brand is led by a family member. Very nice. I love
1: the the family element in these sorts of businesses. Like it's just so nice to kind of have that connection. mm, For sure.
0: And sometimes it doesn't always work for people. You hear good stories and bad stories. I think it's always going to be challenging no matter what kind of business you're in but some families really love working together and we're so lucky to be in each other's
1: pockets every day like we wouldn't change it we absolutely love it. Is there anything that you think you guys do differently to make running a family business easier because I know that I mean people have problems when they work with people that are employed or business partners families always Mm -hmm. tend to be that one that's a little bit trickier sometimes not always but is there anything that you guys think you do in terms of habit systems structures that makes that a little bit more seamless it's definitely around boundaries and understanding
0: everyone's place and so there's a couple of rules that we live by just to make sure that everyone is happy and that's not just us it's also our, our internal team as well we always make sure that everyone is treated equally so Everybody gets a job description. Everybody knows their place. Nobody is better than anyone else, but we all have different roles. And sometimes somebody's role is the one that's managing you. So <laughs> you have to understand that and be okay with that and be happy with that. So for instance, Jacinda, she helps us the active, but she's also our social media manager. And she knows that I'm her manager and Haley, our marketing and comms, Manager will also manage Cinder's workload. So Cinder can't come in, stomp her feet and say, well, I'm a family member <laughs> that wouldn't fly with us. So I think that's the first thing It's everybody's really clear on what they do, how they do it and how they work with others. Our forms of communication are all the same as the rest of the team. So we use Asana for project management. We use Slack for our everyday combos. We're very light on email. We use Zoom for team meetings and Google Drive for everything ever. And like I said, we all have this sense of no one is better than anyone else. And that means that all of our team members feel like family when they come in. We make a really pointed effort to make sure that they don't feel like they're on the outside looking in at us but we all feel like we're all collaborating equally
1: (laughs) I love that and I think it's such great advice even for businesses that aren't run by families like I think the the boundaries mm -hmm. and the, the set roles and things I think that's just good business practice at the best of times yeah
0: and you have to be really conscious about it and make a really big effort to get everybody on that same page, but it's absolutely worth it.
1: No, I love that. So I know that Zia is in the middle of a crowdfunding campaign for investors with virtual at the moment. Can you walk us mm-hmm. through that process, the plans around it, just give people a little bit of a, a background? Yes.
0: So everybody who works in e with wonderful physical products knows that cash flow honestly it's like the hardest thing in a business one of the hardest things to keep up with especially in high pockets of growth because you have to invest in the stock before you can sell it And finding that cash as a business that has traditionally bootstrapped. We've never had external investors before. We've always reinvested in the business. We've gotten to a point where it's like, okay, we need to make global moves. So let's try and find some capital. Hayden and myself, we have discussed it. There's all the regular options of venture capital, angel investors, big bank loans, and things like that. But we have always fostered community in there. Like we talk to customers all day, every day. We hear their stories in and out. And it's always felt like a natural part of us in the way that we're doing business And so Hayden and I have actually been investors in other people's businesses through virtual. And it's been such a great way to support businesses that we love, that we see doing good things without them having to go down traditional routes. And I say this in quote-unquote marks selling out (laughs) because we know what it feels like to just want to be able to do good things without that pressure of having a big monopoly come and and buy you out if that's not what you want to do. So we decided to... Go down this path and create a shareholding offering ourselves. So, right now, as I'm talking to you, we're in the middle of expressions of interest, which means that people are coming onto our virtual landing page and they're putting down their details and how much they think they would like to invest with us. And so the next couple of weeks for us is all about looking at how much we think we can raise, what's the minimum we'd like to raise and what's the maximum we think we can raise and getting everything ready for this offer to be open. So we've had to change the constitution for the company. We've had to look at the way that we run the business, our plans and look at how we would use this money. And we are working really, really hard <laughs> to make sure that we're presenting an investment offer, which is exciting, rewarding, and also really helpful for the business growth at this stage. So we have about 850 people expressing interest with us at the moment. And we're looking at raising about a minimum of 400000 I. Think we would like to raise two million as a maximum. So that is, it's been a really big project. There's so much that you have to do behind the scenes, as well as the marketing and getting the word out there for the campaign alongside the ads. You're also doing the emails to your list, keeping everyone up to date, doing the PR as well.
1: It's amazing. So the, the plan with virtual by the sound of it is to get this influx of cash to go international. Mm -hmm. Is that the the plan? Yeah.
0: So there's three ways that we would envision using the money. So the first is to start distributing globally. So anyone with a TGA-listed product knows that doing that in other countries, oh, my gosh, there's so many hoops. (laughs) So we need to work with specialists and get really good distributors and 3PLs over there. So that is definitely the first priority. We also have products in the pipeline that we'd like to see come to life. So we would be working on developing and producing those new products. And I say confidentially even though I'm saying this publicly on your podcast, but we're looking at some really exciting products. So one's an eczema cream and another one is a women's blend that can help with inflammation-based issues regarding women's health, which for me is incredible. So it's it's really exciting to see those come to life. And then the third is to put money into more research around the therapeutic and medicinal Uses of Kamsia because we're just at the tip of the iceberg. It's actually a really unique Australian native that has these incredible anti-inflammatory properties and we just want to get researchers on there even more than they are now so we can really understand and unlock what this ingredient can do. So the money that we raise will be split in those three different ways. And, and yeah, take us to the next level of growth, which we envisage and what we're working towards
1: is that $10
0: million range.
1: Amazing. So it's obviously early days, but given the experience you've had with virtual so far, is it something that you would recommend for businesses that are sort of at that phase where they they just need a little bit of extra cash flow to be able to make those next steps? I do love virtual, but I do love equity crowd
0: fundraising. On its own. I think it's such an incredible way for people to put their money in the things that they believe in. So, before we could only purchase stocks on the stock exchange, which I have done. I've got ETFs, I've got stocks, I've got whatever, superannuation, cash, all these things. I'm not saying I have a lot of money, I do not, (laughs) but it is in different places. But I've actually really personally loved being able to show a business how much I love, appreciate, and support them with my dollars in a way that contributes meaningfully. And so I do keep buying their products. I do keep referring them to friends. But having equity in a business as well is just such an incredible thing, not just for the business but for yourself, like thinking, yeah, this is where I want my money to go. These are the kinds of businesses I want to see succeed and in terms of the journey that we've been on, for Hayden and I, we found that it just sits so well in our ethos. And like I said before, we don't take this lightly. We take this so seriously and understand that in two weeks' time, we could potentially have 1,500 new co-owners who we will be accountable to and we will need to keep updated regularly, in our product development help steer the company and really bring on even closer to what we do now. And for us, like we cannot think of anything better for a business like ours. And I think that it's actually going to be quite a pivotal moment in our careers to be able to have gotten the company ready for this and to make it live. I will say, though, when you want to do it well and when you're used to doing things at such high quality, you will spend a lot of time on this. So the more you can start having those conversations with your business partners, your team, or looking at your cash flow and trajectory and and how you think you're going to attain your growth and all of these things, even around your constitution or how you would like to use the money, The earlier you can start looking into these things, the better prepared you will be because there is quite a lot to do in the background and you want to do the best job possible, especially for your first raise. I think that just sets the tone. So whether you do a second raise, which some of our favourite businesses have already done, or whether you just want to open up to venture capital or stock exchange later on, this is what's going to give you the learning chops that you need to take those even bigger steps. So don't try and shortcut anything and try and be as prepared as possible.
1: I love that. Given your very diverse history in all manner of marketing, are there (laughs) any sort of trends or things that you're looking at now that you think are going to be successful in the next couple of years? I wholeheartedly
0: believe that... The e-commerce space is going to take many of its lessons from service-based business spaces. I've had the luxury of being in both worlds. And what I can see now with e-com is that with the changes to Facebook marketing with iOS and all of the joy that that brought, oh, my God, that yep. was a bit, a bit of a disaster <laughs> for a while. Let's not talk about that, but... <laughs> Now e-coms are looking at ways to get more lead generation rather than straight to a cart. So what I'm seeing a lot of is more opt-ins, more incentives, more information. And e used to be, oh, I feel like even three years ago, you could find one good product, scale it in China and literally become a multimillionaire overnight I think those days are sadly coming to an end <laughs> as the as the landscape changes and inevitably in with digital technology, it's always going to change. So what I am really seeing is this synergy between how service-based businesses market and how e-coms market. Service-based businesses are all about like, note and trust. We build our businesses through a space, through a brand, through personalised marketing, through really customer-focused communications and you're making everything so personal and giving them value that they can't get anywhere else. And so by looking at the way that service-based businesses do their marketing, it can actually be really successfully replicated in e So launches that I used to do as a service-based business, I would always build a huge list and then I would have a big opt-in. I would have webinars and then I would open doors to early bird incentives for my digital course or for my coaching. And that's how I would fill my spots, make my money. And then you would have this ongoing relationship with them over the years and I think now in e-com, we're starting to learn that we can use the same things here too. It doesn't have to be just like, come to my site, buy my product immediately. It can be, hey, we are the experts in this area. More than products, we can give you information, education, take a look at um, brands like rose ink for instance in terms of their skincare and what they do their videos their information they're trying to make it more personal I've noticed this a lot especially in skincare and beauty how they're trying to be more reflective of real people and people of all different nationalities and genders, which is actually something that's big for me as a person who has (laughs) multi-flavours. My mum's Filipino, my dad's Scottish. I don't feel like I fit in anywhere. I'm a first-generation Aussie. So (laughs) it's actually really nice to see e-commerce branch out in that way and be more information-focused and really try and build their brands around people and their needs rather than just selling a fix do believe that there are things that people in e can learn about taking care of their communities and the people who are interested in their own industry. And even if somebody doesn't buy right now, the cost to get a lead is cheaper than instantly converting on an ad. That's what we find
1: I mean, it's so true. I mean, we do a a similar version of that with some of our clients where we do like email campaigns and things because obviously with Facebook doing its Facebook thing, (laughs) it's not always super amazing every day of the week. And I mean, we had one client who spent, I think, 50 cents per email sign up. And she got like a 13 times return on ad spend on that campaign. She made like $40,000. So it's it's so good. Like Facebook ads are amazing. It does an incredible job of introducing your brand to new people. It does all those wonderful things. You kind of have to get them off Facebook at some point. And if they don't buy immediately, you have to have systems in place to track them, to build the relationship with them, to nurture and educate because you can't rely on Facebook to reach them every single day of the week these days. Exactly. I love
0: that you've said all of that because it's <laughs> so in alignment with what we believe to.
1: I think you're spot on. I think that's the the way it's going to go. Before we wrap up to the final questions that we ask everyone, is there anything that you think we haven't touched on that you think would be worth sharing quickly? Oh gosh, what haven't I mean, we touched on? Like- <laughs> so much. But is there anything you like? This is super good stuff.
0: I do think, oh, gosh, the pressure's on. The pressure is on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Share your Um, genius now. Go.
0: (laughs) I do think that so much of marketing... And this is something that I've learned working in female dominated industries on both sides of the coin is really about finding the heart of what you're offering and showing that to people. Everybody needs a lighthouse and okay, your product might be a candle or a pot plant, or it could be something life-changing, but everybody is looking for something and I feel like the more heart we can put into our brands, the more that we can make it a mirror for the world that we want to see, that we want to be in, the more that people will be attracted to that. And in marketing, we always make sure that we're talking to a person. It's never about saying, we're the best, by this XXX, like in terms of dollar value. It's about okay, this is what we believe in and this is what we have. And if you need help with this, then come and join us. And for somebody who is so heart-led and who has such a people focus, it's been so nice to see how that has actually created a successful brand because we're getting hit in the face with so many marketing messages every single day on every single screen and we all just want a touch of humanness. And I think when you can cut through the noise and you can be that lighthouse for someone or you can have be that heart for someone, that's what they're going to connect to. And everybody makes judgments, purchases. It's all through emotion. And so how do we want people to feel and how can we give that to them? I love that.
1: And you're right. Like there's so much messaging out there that. Realistically, the only way to succeed these days is to have actual human connections. And it's just trying to find marketing ways to actually do that. Mm, Love that. So, we're just getting to the last couple of questions we ask everybody. Do you have a favorite business book? Favorite business book? Do you know what? I don't
0: because I love, oh, no, I should say that. But I love autobiographies and biographies of anyone and everyone from comedians to celebrities to business people to just whatever. Honestly, I just love any type of memoir or bio. But the latest one that I've read that actually I I really loved was Samantha Wills of Golden Dust. I've just followed her for years and I think that she's absolutely somebody who... Leads with her own heart and intuition. And she created such a successful brand. And she definitely had her highs and lows, but never stopped striving to help other women in business. And I think she's so admirable. So that's definitely a book that I've loved and read recently. Amazing. Do you have a favorite podcast, business or personal? All the ones I'm on, including this one. Yes.
1: (laughs) My favorite answer. And we're done. Thank you.
0: But really, they're, they're the only real podcasts I'll listen to because they're the people I love and admire and connect with and and have a message that's so aligned with how I love to do business. So, I yeah,
1: that it's thinking. always a nice variety. So tell us about how people can visit you if they want to learn more about
0: Zia. Sure. So you can find Zia at on our website, so Zia, Z-E-A, au and if you ever have questions or whatever about anything marketing ecom all those things you can find me on my personal instagram i think that's the one solid space that i'll be flitting in and out from and that's jade.i.mckenzie
1: uh, and i believe you have a special offer for our listeners I do. So if you would like to try any of our
0: products from any of our ranges on Zia, just use the code JM20 in the checkout and that's going to give you a cheeky 20% off.
1: My treat. We love that. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Oh, I've loved it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Bright Minds of E-Commerce podcast. As always, you'll find the show notes at brightredmarketing.com.au forward slash episode 31 thanks for listening